Hi there. Thanks for asking me, a doctor, to speak to you as vets. I'm in among the den. I don't hope that's not lions, but certainly I'm very proud to be here and to introduce what my experience is, and more broadly, what the NHS experiences of quality improvement were. I was, uh, inverted commas, normal GP, general medical practitioner, for over 30 years. And I got convinced in my practice that quality improvement did work for me and it worked for my patients. So now I'm working in quality improvement mainly with the Royal College of GPs. We have a lot of similarities, have you heard? I think we can learn from each other. Okay, I might not be quite as much at risk of of getting bitten or scratched by my patients, but maybe these days things are changing there as well. I'll let you read that. We're all very busy. I'm sure it applies to yourselves as it does to us uh, in general practice and in the NHS as a whole. But we need to step back and look and see what we can do differently. So this is where quality improvement fits in. We're all trying to define it. So you've already heard and seen on the video that we're actually trying to fill that gap for you today with the video and with the resources that you're putting on your site. It's not rocket science. It's actually quite easy. You can all have a go and you can have a go at the things you learn uh, today. I did. My practice did. My practice staff did. Everybody gets involved. And then it really works. So to convince you... With days like today, I think it's extremely important. Okay, some, I'm not an academic, but sometimes you have to reflect on the gurus of quality improvement, just to see where you are. This is Duran's trilogy. Okay, this is try and separate quality planning, which is where you have the processes and systems in place in your practices or organisations that can actually improve Quality control, this is where you have your regulations, your standards, and you've got quite a few in the Royal College of Veterinary Surgeons. That's where I would put quality control. And the other part, which you're hearing about today, I think is uh, quality improvement. So yes, I think this is, we've said, Bradley thinks it's the sexy bit. Yes, is this the good bit? But you can go wrong, you've got to be very careful... Because when we had a guru across, say, from the Institute for Healthcare Improvement, uh, he looked at what was happening in the health service uh, in England. And Don Berwick, his name, he said the NHS in England was focusing far too much on control. And that was stifling the very improvement and innovation and increase in quality standards that they wanted. So I'm saying that we need all these three elements but don't concentrate just on control. In the NHS, particularly in England, we've been concentrating in control, and that has not been good for the profession or necessarily the patients. Okay, so what have I learned and try and put in place uh, from the NHS? Training, days like today, are certainly important. The training has to be adapted. So you have your online, which we have and you're having. You have to get into practices. 
You have to make the training local. That's what people like. But how do you do that as an organisation where you're centrally based? You will have to go out and spread the word around. And if you're back in your practices, encourage everybody to be curious. Why did that system not work? What happened to that animal? Why did it happen? Not just, I'm going to make sure it doesn't happen again. But you are. You have to look at the whole system. Notice where there's waste. Waste is one of the main ideas of lean, which some of this quality improvement comes from. Lean is, for those of you who want to know, is based on the Toyota car factory principles. So some of the principles we're using comes from industry and has been adapted by organisations uh, throughout the health service for use in the health service. Now you're adapting it for use in your service. Now, measurement is important in quality improvement. It doesn't need to be numbers. It can be qualitative as well. But only by looking at the numbers and you're beginning to collect numbers and hopefully qualitative data from your practices, you can see where there's variation. And one of the principles of quality improvement is if there's variation, there may be a better way of doing it. So in my practice, when I, we were looking at a repeat prescribing system, we got all our receptionists in. And we had morning ladies, mainly ladies, morning ladies and afternoon ladies. And by doing a thinkful thing called process mapping, which was looking at the stages they do, we found that the morning ladies did something totally different than the afternoon ladies. The full-timers just let them get on with it. But of course, by looking at the system very methodically, the morning ladies suddenly realised that the afternoon ladies had a better system. It was quicker, more efficient, less hassling. So they adopted it. So quality improvement is looking at variation. And as we've heard already, small steps. This makes it less resistant in your practice. If you go back and think, I'm going to change the whole practice... You're going to meet resistance, ain't, and it ain't going to be that practical when you're busy. So small cycles of change in quality improvement. And we've already heard that quality improvement is a team game. Involve everybody. Your staff will enjoy it once you sell them the benefits. And involve, we involve our patients, you need to involve your clients. Does it work? Well, we've heard already in the video, it has worked in healthcare. You, as soon as you show if it's worked, you need to show the rest of your profession how it's worked. So if we'll take some examples. In Scotland, it started with safety. And that's where often these quality improvement methods and tools have been used first. And here we found by a simple checklist, and you're going to have a checklist, you have a checklist now for surgical procedures, that look at the mortality, surgical mortality, deaths are less in Scotland, down by 25% by the various, various improvement, but mainly the checklist. So it does work in safety in large organisations like NHS Scotland. It also works in clinical conditions, and you would have clinical conditions that are normally seen in animals. Well, this is us looking at a diabetic care. And we've done a na there's national audits, and you may wish to go down that road. It's a diagnostic tool. And we've found that a national audit of diabetes has shown that if practices 
measure all the processes, that means people have done the process, then they're less likely to die. Very stark statistics coming out of national audit. Now, if we look at what what I was involved with, the RCGP, looking at care of diabetes at very practice level, and what I'm saying, this quality improvement can be used just at practice level. It doesn't have to be used at a whole organisational level, but it can be. So at practice level, this is us looking at the target of getting the percentage of people with diabetes of a cholesterol <coughs> less than 5. This practice has done two steps to do that. They've changed the recall, they've changed the drug they've used, and they have driven up the percentage of diabetics that they uh, have a cholesterol less than 5. So here you see it's working at an individual practice level that they've used data from a national audit and then they've actually worked at the various targets to reduce it. And they've shown it in another little chart that we call run chart. You'll hear about them, I would hope, in time. But small steps in quality improvement means small steps in learning. We'll not throw everything at you first of all. Administration, great place for quality improvement. We all run, or most of you run businesses or are involved in businesses. As well as being clinically important, it makes it more efficient, your business. So here's a problem of telephone calls. And you think, we can't really control telephone calls coming into the practice. You have lots of calls coming in, peak times. But this practice worked at it. They made sure that their patients knew when to phone for what. They knew that when they dealt with one call, they'd be efficient with that call, so they just wouldn't ask them to phone back. And they drove down uh, the calls that they were receiving. So, by simple quality improvement, here was less hassle for the receptionists. So they were convinced, yes, we'll measure that. Yes, we'll do something about it. And yes, administrative processes are a good source of looking at quality improvement. And for general practice, appointment systems is a big one. And there's a lot of work being done in that. And that could work for you too. As well as I've mentioned repeat prescribing, uh, results coming in. These are all worth using uh, quality improvement methodology. So our national bodies have been convinced that quality improvement in the health service is the way ahead. So these are just some of the big reports that have come out in the last couple of years to say... Yes, let's go for quality improvement. If you anybody from Ireland, yes, they're doing it. They're working slightly slower than the rest because of the political upheaval. So they quite can't produce reports, but they're working underground to get quality improvement out there. We have a lot of national bodies. Now, this may not be all that relevant to you because almost your college is the national body and the knowledge as an arm of that. But it may be useful because these websites that they have have a lot of resources for you. And the fact that they're being used in healthcare really doesn't matter. They can be used in your veterinary care as well. So those are three of the major ones that have advanced uh, websites that have a lot of resources on them. We also have in the health service lots of regional bodies that are providing local support. These are just a few examples. I could have listed a heap, and they are on a, a website with all these organisations that are there. You may have a challenge because you're starting off as a national organisation. How do you give 
local support. Because people like, they like down the road. For us, when we did lots of standards in the early days, because the practice down the road had quality, if my practice had got quality practice award, then the one down the road, gee whiz, it must be easy if they can do it. And they want to boast about it. So that's why awards have a, a place in quality and quality improvement. Okay, there are challenges. They can all be overcome. Don't get put off by these challenges. Just think how you can overcome them. The first is to think when you're introducing a project or quality improvement uh, material, you've got to convince people there is a problem. They go about doing your normal job just every day because that's just what they do. They haven't had step back. So you may have to convince people in your practices that actually is a problem here. I think we can do something better. And again, you're striving for as good or as excellent, as you're saying, as you can be. And equally, if you're putting forward solutions, get them all to chip in possible solutions before you try out which one may work. We come back to data. Unfortunately, you're all starting collecting data in your practices. It's important you get it right. So in my practice, we were doing an assessment of demand, which is a common one to do, but it can't be done on the computer, so the receptionists have to tally what the patient wanted, when they wanted it, and we can see if they meet the demand. Did it a year ago? Perfect. Good results. Did it a year later? What happened? They'd forgotten what they'd done. Uh, because we hadn't sold it to them again. So the data was useless. So you can begin collecting data, but if your data is rubbish, it's back to the old computer, rubbish in, rubbish out. You have got to ensure that your data is good, that people are sold on how to collect it, that you have either a receptionist, if it's them collecting it, sold on why they're collecting it. They're a local champion. Why it's good, why they're doing it. So that's important around data collection. If you go back from today and think, I'm going to change my practice, just be a little bit cautious. Make sure your goals are realistic. Take time. Make sure your goals fit with what the rest of the practice want to do, that it fits the context. Equally, if something works in one practice, it may not work in the other if they're a totally different type of practice. So be aware of the context as well. Now, I don't know if you have, but we have tribalism in the NHS. In other words, the surgeons think the GPs are rubbish and the GPs think the surgeons are far too aggressive. So there is tribalism there, which we are trying to overcome. But if you have that in your veterinary practices, you need to make sure that you treat everybody the same in quality improvement because they can each contribute. And you need to engage now, one of the important things we found in a survey done recently of practices, protected time is important. So you may have to give a bit of time to actually save time. So protected time uh, for staff to engage in quality improvement is important. We've already heard about leadership today. Now, leadership and quality improvement is important. Someone has to lead it. But we're back to thinking of what's the style of leadership? You need to be able to explain things. You need to be inclusive of people for quality improvement to work. 
And you need to balance the carrots and the sticks as a whole. It's not, it's in your contract, therefore you're going to do it. That's been done in general practice, doesn't work all that well. And sticks, then, to be struck off is bad. But there are ways of explaining and sharing significant events that can be done without that being a risk. Now, what we did in the early days in practice, I'm as guilty as anybody else, is you do a little project. It was great, especially if the trainee did it for you. But you didn't continue it. You didn't sustain the changes. So please, if you find something to do, some change, keep it going. Embed it in your practice. We've heard about that. And if you do something, there may be side effects. So if we think of a national thing in general practice, there was a thing called quality and outcomes framework. I'm partly to brain was involved in it. But it meant this was where we were collecting data and getting paid for doing it on various chronic diseases. What was the problem? Then if we weren't getting paid, we may have ignored some certain conditions. So you've got to be aware of the side effects of your change. Now Martin Marshall says it's like a tablet. If you give a change, you will get side effects. So always look for them. In my practice, we were trying to do away with people, the numbers who do not, not do away with people, but do away with the number who do not attend. Yeah, some of them got struck off, and that was our equivalent of doing away with them. But the real way is to try and counter the problem. But we countered the problem, but the GPs didn't like it. Why? because they liked the gap that was created by the person that didn't turn up. So you to think about that and have to create the gap in their appointments in a more efficient and effective way, rather than not know when they were going to occur. So, remember side effects. That was from the Health Foundation, which is a charitable body that gives out a lot of money for research. And they've also worked with the King Fund to say what the leaders and what your leaders of the veterinary surgeons should consider when thinking quality improvement. If they're leading the profession, they need to put quality improvement at the forefront. They need to embed it in everything. They need to get everybody signed up to quality improvement. However, it's not going to give your magic bullets. It's not going to create more vets or more staff all of a sudden. It's not the magic bullet for veterinary surgeons, but it will make you work more efficiently and effectively. It will take a little time to develop. So in general practice, we've been at it uh, for a little while and standards a long time for some quality improvement methods quite a while and really concentrated in the last four years, but it still takes a while to percolate through the profession and through them to their staff. So it will take a while but you will build up the skills and capabilities. If you're here today, spread the word of what you were at and why you were at it. And your organisations, like the college, needs to have a strategy about how they're going to do this, how they're going to embed quality improvement in the veterinary world. Back to data again, you have to use it effectively. In the early days, and still, the NHS churns out lots of data. Is it used? Mm, not all. Why? Because it's not presented in a way that anybody can look at it. Huge tables. People hate tables. So you've got to look at how you present your data. And you have to know how to analyse it. And that's some skills that comes with quality improvement. We're back to culture again and relationships. That will always be important. 
And how do you get everybody involved? What, how do you sell them the benefits? And again, involving all your, the word, stakeholders. Working as a system, well, you're beginning to try that. You're seeing where your system can learn from other systems. And within your system is everybody signed up to do it. Okay, you're pretty well as a college responsible for training. In the health servers, there are lots of people responsible for training. So, we've got the GMC, I'm talking about general practice now. We've got the GMC, but they've put QI in that. What it is to be a good doctor has to involve QI. For me as a general practitioner, then in my appraisal, I had to put a quality improvement bit, a section. How good it was, well that's not really a set yet, but it has to go in, so I have to think about it. And then we have the academies of medical royal colleges. That's the surgeons, the physicians, the anaesthetists, everybody including the GPs. They now say QI should underpin all training. And we in the RCGP says QI is now a key skill that all GPs should have. And what I'm saying, this probably should apply to you. And because you're one college that has responsibilities for a lot of education, both undergraduate and postgraduate, you may push to get this into all training. We started off in general practice with some tools, which you'll hear about today. Audit and significant event analysis. And that has worked well. Sometimes it's been incentivized. Sometimes it's been in our contract. Sometimes it goes into appraisal. But audit and significant event has been there for quite a time in general practice. However, it's not always been done well. So for significant event, before you can have that, you have to have a no-blame culture. It is one you'll be hearing about that later today. But you also need to reflect what is the learning from it. You can have the significant event, but you've got to see what the learning is, and you've got to then use that learning to make about a change. So I would call significant event a diagnostic tool, and then you've got to go about and bring about a quality improvement change. We are now selling, in the last four years, a whole lot of more tools, such as some of you have heard of them, some of will not. When I ask GPs, it's about a group of 30, there'll maybe be two have heard of all of these tools. So it's not well known in the general practice staff yet, and you will take time to build up this. So start with audit, significant event, but please don't stop there. Go on, learn about this model for improvement, and you've heard PDSA cycles already getting there. You've got that, you've seen that. And then there are other things. Again, the names are a bit fancy. Driver diagrams, process mapping I've mentioned briefly, and run chart I showed you. So there are other mechanisms that can help you uh, develop even further uh, than just audit and significant event. But it's a good start. You have to start there. GPs love it. They put significant events very high up about what they learn from. And audit's been with us as well and had significant changes. Joanna Berkshire and I, one of my colleagues, developed for the Royal College a quality improvement wheel. We were trying to think how visually we could integrate all these tools and give general practice examples. Again, and I'm not scared to stress it, culture and context is at the middle. How will your practices adapt? Are they going to take on board quality improvement methodologies? 
What's stopping you? Is it just workload? So there will be constraints, there will be enablers, there will be things your practice are in control of and things that your practice are out with your control. We have four steps to our quality improvement cycle. So we, the, we say we diagnose the problem first. So what happens in general practice? I talk to a lot of staff or GPs. What's your problem? Oh, patient demand, too much. And I'm, you're busy as well. And I say, well, what's actually the problem? Well, uh, it's, there, we're getting too many people. So is it too few appointments? Too few staff? Is it people coming to the wrong place? They have to diagnose the problem first and exactly before you can look at what change you can introduce. So having decided that's the problem and you're very specific, you then can look at what you can involve as a change. And I was great in my practice in the old days. I would introduce lots of changes. Would I test if they were? Not always, but I should. Quality improvement is about looking at what doesn't work as much as what, what does work. So you don't waste your time with inefficient processes. So you plan and test and see. And you may have to test more than once and more than twice. It's about a continual improvement. And then, as I've said before, if you get a change that works, make it current practice. Make it in your practice. Make sure it happens continually. And finally, tell the rest of your profession, I've got something that works. Don't hide it away. You're not that, not maybe that competitive, but you maybe have to be. But do spread this. This will help uh, the care of your animals. All our resources are on this website. And it's free. Yes, you can go onto it as well. It doesn't say vets not allowed. So you can go on it. And we have now got uh, three bits to it. Uh, the resources, which is our QI guide, which has got general practice examples, that's a PDF that you can download. That's on there. What we've been developing in the last year and a bit is a thing called QI Ready, where as you are doing, we're developing online learning, we're developing forums for discussion, and we're trying out self-accreditation to say that a practitioner, and that's for members only, only that part for members, is self-accreditation. Non-members have to pay. And also says what we're doing at the moment on various quality improvement projects. So that's our website. You're developing your website. Yes, it's the way to go, but it's not the only thing you have to do. What do I think? That's what I think. It has to be every part. It has to build in every part of our work. I think that's what you need to do. It's not difficult. The terminology may be new, but you'll soon get used to that and sell it. So I would say, give it a go. It works. It gets you enthusiastic about your job. I wouldn't still be doing it. I'd be on the golf course if I didn't think it works. So it does work. It will work for you as well. So certainly give quality improvement a try and continue as you do with quality improvement. Continue to learn the different techniques. Yes, pinch things from the health service, pinch things from the GPs if they work, and adapt it for your particular context. Thank you very much.